0: This is Transistor.fm. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your Sass. This is the the behind-the-scenes story of building a web app in 2020. I'm John Buda, a software engineer.
1: And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm Summer Edition. Midsummer update, John.
0: Midsummer Pandemic 2020 Edition. How, it's, how's it's it going? True. It's been it's been a while. It's been a, know, what, a month. I don't know. Yeah. Since we...
1: Yeah, it's been it's been a month. Um we were just joking offline that we haven't really taken a lot of time off.
0: Not really. Not so much from Transistor. I know you took a break from social media.
1: Yeah. I,
0: I was never really super active. I did delete my Facebook account. Oh, good. That felt nice. Don't miss it one bit.
1: <laughs> was that after you were watching the the stuff with Congress? You're like that's oh it, no, Zach. this was
0: no, no, this was no, this was like well well over a month ago.
1: It is amazing how much brain space that stuff can take.
0: I wasn't even really using it. I was just like it felt good to just get rid of it. It's like cleaning yeah. out your house or spring cleaning. You're like, I don't use I don't wear this shirt anymore. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it it wasn't sparking joy for you anymore.
0: It, no, it hasn't for years, so it's just like <laughs> It's just a stream of
1: anxiety,
0: an anxiety stream.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, even not recording the podcast, it it is sometimes good to not do things. Like I I have felt like I've had more, um, just time to enjoy the summer. Like I have going to the beach, going mountain biking, um, you know, just kind of taking it easy and, uh, but on the other hand, I'm always conflicted because it feels like I need some time away. But then there's this buildup of, you know, like things I want to talk to you about or yeah. just things in my head. And I mean, you and I were talking before this, like <laughs> there was obviously a buildup, you know, like I think we both were kind of like, oh, wow, like we've got to talk about this and what are we going to do about this? And, you know, the it, you you can't have too much time elapse. It feels like
0: right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, we were just setting up, and you sort of forgot how to even record the podcast, <laughs> right? That, it's like
1: that's that's how you know
0: what apps do we're, I open in what order and what.
1: Yeah, yeah. What is this? How yeah. does this work? <laughs> well, one thing I think that will be helpful for our listeners is I've I've as I've been talking to other people who are starting a SaaS, mostly, you know, bootstrap founders, one or two founders. Um, One thing I've noticed is they, basically, if if you're bootstrapping a SaaS, you're probably going to need more trials than you think. And I don't know if you can remember, like when you were freelancing, how many leads did you get every month? That's
0: a good question. I mean, I don't know the number, but it was certainly more than I could take on. But also I sort of weeded, you know, like weeded them out Mm -hmm. beforehand. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: I always felt like I was lucky if I got, you know, a handful of inquiries, right? Yeah. And then if, if you convert, and when you're freelancing... Uh, I mean, how many clients would you take at a time? Like maybe one or two?
0: Probably, yeah, one or two. I don't think I ever tried to do more than that.
1: There's a little bit of a paradigm shift. I know a lot of folks who are, you know, bootstrapping a SaaS or starting a SaaS, um, their, their business experience might be, the only experience they might have is consulting or freelancing. And, you know, when you're consulting or freelancing, you want kind of a healthy number of leads coming in because you know that you're going to need to, you know, convert maybe roughly 25% of those or something or 30%? Yeah. And you convert 30% of those leads and you'll probably have enough work, right? And if you don't have any new leads for a few months, you might be worried, you might be like, "Ah, I kind of need something else," but it it's not it's not uncommon, you know, during the summer months, for example, to not have any leads and you're just kind of plan for that in your year.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: But SaaS is a lot different uh, mostly because the price points are smaller, right? So if you're selling something at $19 a month or $39 a month or $99 a month, even let's say 299 a month, you <laughs> the nature of the business is you're going to need way more folks kind of coming in coming in every Day to yeah, uh, you know, with some interest.
0: Yeah, contracting is yeah way different. I mean, you're going to get one, maybe you land one client and it's a a ten thousand dollar contract or something.
1: Yeah, and and you know what else is different is you are willing to put in a lot of effort for those clients, right? So you might, I mean. Not everyone does this, but, you know, you might be willing to go to a few meetups and, you know, talk to some people and then do a coffee meeting and then, you know, do an initial, uh, you know, a l- little bit of initial work and then add a bigger contract later. There's kind of this, like, build up that is expected. Uh, or it might be, you know, they email you and you email them back and then you do a phone call and then, you know, you do an estimate.
0: Yeah. But even then, it doesn't even end there. When you get the actual contract, I mean, you're always you're you're in contact with that with that client all the time.
1: Exactly, and, and so I, I was trying to quantify this on Twitter. I said the biggest problem I see for SaaS who target SMBs, small and medium businesses, is they're not getting enough trials. You'll probably need more than you think. Now, the the disclaimer here is that. Every product is different. Every product category is different. Um, your price points, you know, will affect this. Your cost to acquire a customer will affect this. Credit card upfront, all that stuff. But most of the founders I've talked to, I for you know for these tweets, I I, I pinged uh, three or four of my friends who have SaaS businesses, mm-hmm. and generally, it's a it's the same pattern. It wasn't until they hit about 200 to 300 trials per month that they felt like they were finally kind of making it work. It was like, that's when they got to ramen profitable. Um, And, you know, I think for most folks in the U.S., ramen profitable is probably around 10K MRR per founder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I said, a pretty good business would be twenty five k mrR per founder uh, because you know if like a software developer in the United States it's pretty pretty easy for them to make two hundred thousand dollars a year. I shouldn't say easy, but that's not uncommon
0: yeah senior senior level yeah senior
1: Definitely. level and so at twenty five k mrR per month um, if you have very low expenses. And after you've paid your payroll and your server costs and everything, you could probably do about $200,000 a year in salary. Yeah. And so if you want to hit that number and your product is priced, you know, let's say $39 to $99 per month, and you're asking for a credit card up front, which I do recommend... Uh, it's not always true, but in most cases, especially if you want to prove demand, you want to have credit card up front. And then if you get a conversion rate from trial to paid that's between 40 and 60%, you're going to need hundreds of trials per month to kind of ratchet up to 10K MRR and then beyond. And uh, you won't get that right out of the gate, but... I think what I'm seeing is folks who have done consulting in the past and now they've been working on their SaaS for six months or a year and they're getting like three to five trials a month. And that's just that in every case I've seen, um, especially if you're targeting SMBs at a lowish price point, you know, anything below $1,000 a month, you're going to need more trials. And yeah, I, I think it's worth mentioning just because a lot of, this is one of those things that I, I never knew what to expect. Like what's good, what's bad, what, what should I, and whenever you give numbers publicly, you're always, and I'll, I'll paste this tweet in the show notes, but you know, there's people immediately that go, wow, wait a second. If it's, you know, if you're doing this, you're, you're doing fine. And my whole point is, uh, that yes there's a lot of variables but just to give you a a ballpark i think most founders you know if if you're a single founder or you're uh dual founders you're probably going to want 200 to 300 trials per month at least and for us personally uh when we hit 200 trials per month that's when i went Mm full-time and and then uh, I think, actually, let's that's a good question. Let's look at when, because you went full-time in August.
0: Yeah.
1: So August, we were doing 300 trials per month. And it's gone kind of up and down since then, but we probably average 400 trials per month right now. Um, wow. I talked to another friend who has a higher price point than us, and they're doing uh, 250 trials per month. I talked to someone else that has a longer-running company than we do and a lower price point, and they're doing Mm. 500 to 600 trials per month. Okay, and so I—those are just numbers. But I think if you're building a SaaS, my worry is if you're just trying to nurture um, in the same way that you did when you were consulting. You know, you're like talking to these people every day, and you're like, you're just going to get your heart broken because
0: yeah probably but there's probably also if you're if you're doing that many trials I'm wondering if there's a certain amount of effort you can put into keeping like improving the percentage of people that stay right without yes. too much effort and trying yeah. to figure out what that is um instead of instead of spending the marketing on finding new trials or you know putting effort into getting new trials maybe put a little more effort towards keeping the trials you already have and Te- making sure they do, they don't switch you to another competitor or just like have questions mm-hmm. or yeah get confused stuff like that
1: totally uh, ben ornstein's got this tweet uh from yesterday he says seems like the more entrepreneurial experience someone has the more they focus on retention over acquisition
0: yeah and we've done a lot of that i think Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we've had people who wanted to leave or tried to leave or um, we just talk. We don't let them. Yeah. Yeah. You can't leave. Sorry.
1: (laughs) When they, when they hit cancel, we just go, you can't leave. You have to call this phone
0: number and it goes to a (laughs) blank number. It goes nowhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We tell them to send a DNA sample and uh, the last three years of their tax returns. Um, Yeah.
0: And then we fax it. So that and they fax it to us and then we'll, e- we'll send them a written letter in six yeah. to eight weeks.
1: <laughs> that they have to sign and then get back to us. Classic um, strategy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think you're right. Um, this is kind of in that ramping up period, you know, and again, like when we started, we launched uh, in August, we had 75 trials that month. And then the next month we only had 70. And then the next month we only had 63. But, uh, and then it started to kind of build up from there. You know, you get to just around 100 and then you get to 200. And eventually you're going to hit a ceiling, right? Um, Yeah, right. Unless, I mean, unless you can, unless (laughs) there's some levers you can pull to increase growth. And if the market is so big that there's just, tons and tons of room to grow, right? Uh, then you'll maybe you can increase the number of trials you get every month. Uh, and there's also a ceiling in terms of how much you can handle, right? Right. Uh, when you're ramping up, I think if, if you're thinking, oh, I want to have a nice little business, li- nice little SaaS business that's bringing in, let's say, 20 to 50 and up in MRR every month, that's hundreds of trials. And uh, if if you're really trying to nurture just a few people and just trying to convert a few people, uh, you know, maybe you can do that at the beginning for a few months, but I, I'd hope by, let's say, the six-month period, uh, after some consistent effort, uh, you should have hundreds of trials coming in. And this is, I think, another... This is kind of one of those um bellwethers is that a is that the uh-huh. right word, yeah, the leading sheep of or flock with a bell on its neck, an indicator or predictor of something, yeah, so this is a good bellwether of whether you're on the right track because if you're not seeing those trials, you know that could mean there's just not a lot of demand for your product category uh it could mean that. Maybe there's something wrong with your product and marketing. Um, but my sense, especially from the folks that I'm, you know, uh, trying to help out, my sense is in most cases, they're just in a category that doesn't have a lot of demand. And they're trying to nurture these, like, very niche leads. And it's it's just not going to give them the volume they need to, you know, hundreds of trials coming in. And then if your credit card up front, you're converting hopefully 40 to 60% of those and or more even. Um, and, you know, getting up to that number where even with some churn, you've got a healthy amount of MRR every month. Yeah. Um, and every little lever you pull helps. But I, I was trying to think, is there a word... For, you know, at the beginning, um, like, you know, when a customer signs up and they immediately start asking us about stats,
0: uh, like you mean as in analytics?
1: Yeah. Like, so they sign up, they've had their podcast for a couple of weeks and they're going, they start asking us about their numbers. Like, Hey, how come I'm not seeing, you know, average, uh, right. you know, subscribers yet or, yeah. um, you know, I I had ten downloads the first day, but now I only have five. And there's this phenomenon when the numbers are low, they really don't mean much. It's not until you get into like if you're if you're in single or double digit numbers, it's just like there one person you know if if you had 10 listeners and one person decides to quit listening yeah. well that's going to be a huge percentage of your overall listenership but it <sighs> it probably doesn't matter at that point because it's not until you get into the thousands of listeners that those trends become meaningful
0: right uh i don't know i don't know if there's a word for that
1: but you know what I'm talking about, there's right? There's probably
0: like, so- something within statistics. There's probably some term for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like your sample size is low, but there's just this other thing, which is, you know, like, and I, I think everyone's fallen prey to this. It's like, you know, you, you launch a new website or something and you go, whoa, my numbers are up 3,000% from yesterday to yeah. today and and then the next day after that they're down 20,000%. It's like, oh it's like okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> you don't you don't need to worry at that point none of that is significant yet. And, you know, in podcasting, uh really you can't get any significance out of the numbers until you're in the hundreds, but likely to the thousands of downloads. Like, that's when, and over months of time, right? Um, And there's something of this effect here as well, meaning you could have five trials and then convert three of them and go, yes, like, this is it. I got something here. But if two of those people churn in a given month, which is statistically possible, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, ah, this is why we need a stats person on the, the line right now, because... Well, the, 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 the chances of two people canceling in a month are very high, whether you only have 10 subscribers or, you know what I mean? Like, it's just very likely that if two people have, two people might decide, well, I'm going to cancel and, um, and that could, <laughs> that, that obviously, if you only have a few customers, that feels bad at the beginning. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say is that you, you, the the whole point with something like SaaS is that you're going to have hundreds, but really thousands of customers, and the if if lightning strikes one day and you have five people cancel, which could happen at any day, regardless of the sample yeah. size.
0: Yeah.
1: Do you know what I'm getting at?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, we've had days like that. Yeah, and it's it, You have to sort of tape, take a step back and look at the bigger picture and say, oh, well, like 10 people canceled today, but, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we actually had like hundreds of trials, so it's kind of not a big deal. Yeah. Right? It,
1: yes. And I want to say your risk tolerance, but, you know, once you get to our stage— or convert kits stage. That's even like I I look at convert kits like how many customers they lose every day. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it just it, it it would it's it would be painful for us to lose that many. But for Nathan, he's probably just like, yeah, well, this is just the way the business runs. Like at this scale, losing thousands of customers every year is not a big deal. It's just like that's how it goes um but if you're only able to bring in 5 trials a month and you're losing, you know, in a given month, you know, you lose two or three people, it's just a much it, it hurts more. Yeah. And so there's got to be you've got to get to a scale where the model works, meaning software as a service as a business model works when you have in most cases thousands of subscribers and that's whether you're bootstrapping, that's whether you're venture funded, whatever, you know, um and obviously, you know, if you have way more employees and way more funding, you need thousands more customers, but in general, there's like this certain floor you have to hit. It doesn't matter if you're bootstrapping or you're venture funded, you've got to hit this certain number and my best guess is that's you know, Hundreds of trials every month, and it goes up from there.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.:
1: Hopefully that's helpful to people that are looking for some kind of um, some kind of number. You wanted to talk about this analytics thing. What, what was kind of on your mind there? Hey, do you want to start your own podcast? Head over to Transistor and use my coupon transistor.fm/justin. You'll get 15 percent off your first year of podcast hosting.
0: Yeah, so we um we've had analytics, you know, for a while obviously, and as we've grown, they become kind of more and more cumbersome to deal with as far as performance of analytics, right? It's it's sort of a um intensive process to uh calculate analytics and display them in a meaningful way to customers and sort of give you, you know, a time time series data and show charts and
1: Yeah, which is why like when when people are starting companies, if you're trying to bootstrap, like uh, you know, something that requires a lot of data uh, tracking, people often are, warn you against it. Like, right. Don't don't get into that because it's yeah. expensive.
0: Yeah. And we're not, you know, we're not necessarily an analytics company, although I guess some you could you could take that viewpoint. Um, but they are a big part of the app and a big part of you know the value that customers get out of Transistor, right, is seeing how well their podcast is doing over time and comparing it to other episodes and all this stuff. Recently, I don't know, well, I guess the last several months, it's been ongoing for a while, right, where the way the analytics were written, um, the way the database was kind of laid out from the start worked fine for a long time. But as we've grown and, you know, gotten into the tens of millions of downloads and all that stuff, it just hasn't necessarily scaled well and i think i i don't think i would have been able to build it a different way had you know knowing what i knew at the beginning mm-hmm. um and over the at least over the past month it's just kind of gotten worse and worse where we have these background jobs that are sort of aggregating data down into the uh the day time frame right we have downloads that come in constantly like tens and tens of thousands a day
1: mm-hmm. those have
0: to get aggregated down and say so we can say like this episode got 25 downloads on this day. And this other episode got 50 downloads on this day. And then this, this episode got 10 downloads from Apple podcasts and 15 from Overcast, right? And those are all different entries. And it it was just getting cumbersome. And I was, I was basically just applying like band-aids to this thing and hoping Mm. it would, it would last, but I'd have to like routinely go back and check our background jobs to see that they hadn't stacked up. And once in a while we'd have these issues where the the database would just be doing way too many things at once and it would just completely like all the database requests would just get like queued up in this, in, um, uh, in the queue system in, within Postgres. Right. So it, people's requests were just super slow. Um, we'd get a lot of, uh, support requests are like, Hey, the dashboard isn't working. I can't log in or I can't do this or that.
1: Mm. Oh, like it would, it would lock the whole app.
0: Well, yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it the the database is overwhelmed trying to get through all the requests that have sort of built up that yeah. the other the other requests for like looking up your user via your email address is just like in the queue somewhere and times out yeah right
1: and and emotionally like this is affecting you emotionally like you you were, you're were frustrated yeah
0: it's it's just a huge it's a huge <laughs> amount of stress that i just constantly think about like uh what, when is it going to like like all right it's now it's fine it's fine for now it's fine for like a while.
1: Mm-hmm. When's it going to
0: pile up? When's it going to be a problem? Yeah. Um, and it just kept happening to the point where I was like, you know, looking into all these other solutions, trying to think about different ways to do it, and and, yeah. and <laughs> looking at these looking at these services that are like hundreds to thousands of dollars a month to handle these massive analytics databases, which yeah, which you know, looking at ours, it's not it's not that big compared to like what other people are doing at all. It's not it's not huge.
1: Owning and running a SaaS is so much like owning a house. Like, there's just like, it's like, you know, you're, something goes wrong with your plumbing and you like kind of fix it one time, like, okay. And you're just like, it's in the back of your mind, like, oh, I hope that doesn't like start leaking again. And then it starts leaking. You're like, oh, fucking shit. Like, damn it. God damn it. Fucking damn it. And then, it, cause it just the smallest thing can then <laughs> trigger. And then you, you hire like,
0: a plumber and you throw money at the problem.
1: Yeah, then you hire the plumber and the plumber goes, well, you know, to fix this, you're going to you're gonna have to redo all the pipes, man. You're going to, this yeah. is going to be at least 20K. And then you're like, oh, God damn it.
0: So, yeah, I, I talked to a, a couple friends and they were like, oh, we, well, we could do this, we could do that. Maybe, you know, you can look into this or there's this service, but it's going to, uh, most of the things that I was looking into at the time were going to completely change how we handled analytics. How the data was stored, how it was processed. Mm-hmm. Uh, which maybe maybe would have future-proofed things a little more, um, but probably would have been really expensive. It was technology I didn't know, so it would have been um taken a while to finish. But at the same time, I'm still trying to, you know, patch it and fix it and just getting frustrated and like I, I sort of reached my limit of knowledge of of Postgres in the way we were using it. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think you had mentioned, you know, maybe you should email these two people, a couple of different people. Yeah. Uh, one of whom was Jack Ellis, who is the co-founder of Fathom Analytics.
1: Yeah. I was like, someone, I know someone who has experience with yeah, analytics. No. And, <laughs> and like, when you said
0: that, I was like, that is actually a great idea because they're an analytics company, right? That's what they do. I'm sure they run into this problem.
1: And the other thing about Jack is like, you know, some people I could think of had like enterprise experience and they'd be like, Well, you just like fire up big blue and then you just rewrite yeah. you know yeah, you'd and you gotta the shard- Oracle, yeah, you
0: gotta buy <laughs> pay for an Oracle database and it's two hundred K. I
1: was like, I I'll bet Jack has figured out something progressive that works at our scale.
0: Yeah. And so I emailed him and just kind of explained what I was going through and what we were dealing with. And uh, I think the next day I had a call with him. Yeah, I just talked to him. I hadn't talked to him before. I mean, I you know, if I know his name and I know of, you know, you know of him and he's a, they support our podcast
1: mm-hmm. and they
0: use Transistor. Yeah. Um, we use Fathom. Yeah. Um, and is the, the nicest guy ever. And so we had a call and talked for like an hour and a half. Nice. And he was he shared his screen and was like going through code, right? Going through Fathom Code and showing sort of showing me how they deal with processing incoming page views, right? Their their system is really the same as ours. I mean,
1: mm-hmm. when
0: you get down to it, right? They deal with page views for a site. Mm-hmm. And we deal with download we would deal with downloads for a podcast and podcast episodes. Yeah. So they're they're processing incoming page views all the time. And we're processing downloads all the time. And so he just sort of walked me through his thought process of how they deal with this stuff, how they batch things together and aggregate data. It just sort of clicked and made a lot of sense, like how we thought about things. And they're in the process of changing things again because they're they're growing a lot. Their analytics are huge, right? They yeah. deal with much a much bigger problem than we do. So they, they have to sort of like build of, of version three or whatever of, of something. Yeah. Um, but he was explaining how they currently do it and and it's a it's a very similar setup to what we have. It just was so nice to to get out of my own headspace and mm-hmm. me thinking about this stuff the same way over and over and talk to someone who kind of had a slightly different perspective on how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then within a week I had sort of like fixed everything and reworked, you know, how we handle Backlogs of downloads coming in, and how we batch them together in the background, and
1: yeah, and um, oh my god, like you showed me that
0: reorganize some of the table, yeah.
1: You showed me that graph from AWS, and
0: yeah, yeah, it's like it's like can can you tell me when we deployed the updates? And yeah. it was like this just significant drop <laughs> in in everything in Postgres.
1: It's like everything gets calm. It's like everything yeah. was crazy, and then it, just it was, was like, yeah, it
0: was this was <sighs> frantic these frantic up and downs every hour as we compile data, and then like after this it's just like this smooth line it's like mm-hmm. smooth water
1: yeah i mean that's huge getting out of your own head and
0: to me that's like the disadvantage of having a small team like us right where
1: mm-hmm.
0: i'm the only engineer mhm so there's not really anyone to to sort of like talk to you about the stuff necessarily or like just bounce things off bounce ideas off of yeah um so i think if you're you know if you're in our position and you have a small team and there's like one main engineer uh probably really beneficial to have a network of of people you can reach out to um just for like mentorship or just i don't know just to talk about engineering engineering problems you know like this
1: this is the unfair advantage um is who you know and who knows you and having those relationships i was going to yeah. say like this is the unfair advantage bootstrappers have but that's not quite fair because it's more than that. You can't just be a bootstrapper. It's, you know, we've built relationships with people over time and then we've been able to reach out to those folks and we've built trust and they trust us. And, you know, I mean, I'm DMing people every single day. Yeah. You know, there's certain people I can, I can like do a, I, there's certain people I can DM and there's certain people I can't DM. Like I can't DM Elon Musk for advice uh, (laughs) because he doesn't know who I am, but there is a network of people who I do trust. And I think it's even a, this is the, so, uh, I'm just of two minds of this right now because on one hand I'm like, Oh, isn't this great? This thing that bootstrappers have because you know, in in some of the companies I'd worked for, we would hire a consultant. And we didn't know if the consultant knew their stuff. And this is very common in databases, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody on the team knows anything about databases. So you bring in a consultant and you're paying them thousands of dollars a day. And, you know, they're in your system, but you don't know what they're doing and you're just hoping they fix it. You You don't know if they're good or not. But in this case, I was positive that jack was going to know his stuff i trust him i've seen his work i've built a a rapport with him behind the scenes i use his product every day i just know i listen to their podcast every week like there's just this like this immersion and this trust and this relationship that make that transaction different and we would do the same for them. I mean, I've given Jack and Paul tons of information about, yeah. you know, like where, what to expect at different le- different stages. And and I'm not going to do that for just anybody. And so that's the, this is the part I'm a little bit, uh, I just feel bad about talking because hmm. it is kind of, the only word I can think of for this is like, it is a bit of a cabal.
0: Yeah, it is. But
1: uh, it, I think maybe instead of apologizing for the cabal which the, the reason you have these groups of people in in the Laravel community they call them the Laravel elite <laughs> it's like it's like oh these are all the people that talk to each other and you know know each other and support each other at launch and they're dming each other all the time it's not fair right and it's like yeah oh, that
0: was that was pretty common in the early like Ruby on Rails days too
1: yeah and uh, one part of it we do need to be careful because if we're shutting other people out constantly, especially um, underrepresented groups, like if, if you're a woman and you just cannot get into any of these secret founder groups, um, you know, that, that is, we know like even that, that transaction you just did with Jack, like maybe we could have found a consultant and paid $20,000 and, and fix the problem you know (laughs) what i mean like if if jack was going to charge us maybe that's what he would have charged us uh so it is a significant advantage you didn't just talk to jack you talked to some other people you knew in chicago you talked like you had all of this kind of this cornucopia of people you could talk to and then you found one person whose situation was similar to what you were talking about and then it
0: but it sort of goes back to discussions we've had before about the importance of I don't know if networking is the right word, but it's like building up these relationships, relationships over time and just sort of, you know, staying in touch with you. But like, I mean, I I, I sort of agree with you. Like, I don't, it, it is an advantage, but it's also, you know, we've both been doing this for 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. We have a large group of people that we've come in contact with and spent time with and talked to and like worked with and, and those networks sort of build out, like you have to start somewhere.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and so I, I like lately, this is the, I'm, I'm of two minds about it. And I think they're both good. I think on one hand, these are, this is something you have to cultivate over time. It's something that you don't just do in a month or six months. It's, it's over time, month after month, year after year, you're doing stuff, you're putting it in public, you go to conferences, you meet people, you follow up with people, you engage with people meaningfully online, you, you, know, you, you do all of the little things that build up to a relationship. And then when you have a, a bounty of relationships, um, that can be very helpful, especially if you've built relationships with the right people. On the other hand, I think technology and bootstrapping does have a problem in that it's really easy for white dudes to get together. It's really easy for white dudes to do their private founder retreats together and have their private Slack groups and private Telegram chats and private iMessage groups. And I know female founders that have these as well. And I think that's helpful too. I, I, I don't think there's... You know, it's it's okay for uh, that to exist. But at the same time, I think there are some groups that are underrepresented that wouldn't naturally have an in to those kinds of groups. And I think if you have some privilege, you should also be looking to give a hand up to other people. Yeah. And it's messy. Ah. Uh, like you and I have been talking publicly about, you know, our our desire to um to fix some of the imbalance that's in in te- intact, and you know, it means I, I I do get a lot more inbound from people, and it it's hard. I, I can't. I'm just a human being, and I have to. You know, I'm trying to figure things out too. But I do think we we have a responsibility.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean.
1: Oh, this I, is this I, is a bad I, conversation. I, I, people are getting people. Are, for sure, there are some white dudes that are mad right now. I I I just I can feel uh, it. I right.
0: but I mean I you know personally I, I'm not I'm not necessarily one to like put myself out there as as like to offer help. Mm-hmm. Um, just my I don't know my personality or whatever. I just get I don't know. It there's a lot there's a lot there, but you know having having talked to Jack he just made it like so easy. Like he was such a good teacher and
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, I can see, I could, I would see the benefit of, of, you know, me personally doing, doing that like more often. Right. And just helping someone out who's having a problem. Yeah. Um,
1: and you could also see how a founder retreat with Paul and Jack would make sense.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: which would be great like it would that would be great um uh the the question i'm asking now is is i'm like trying to go one more level and going okay so yes like that makes sense for us to have that retreat how can we make sure (laughs) it's just not a bunch of white dudes sitting around and uh i do understand the frustration that some people have when they're listening to this which is yeah, like, it, you can feel like some of these are, like, uh, private clubs that you can't get into. Um, and I I think, because I've felt like that, too, in the past. And oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's still, and there's still private clubs I'm not allowed into, right? And there's, there's, like, people I've been trying to impress on the internet forever, and they just want nothing to do with me. You know, I, I think there's always going to be an element of this, but... The idea, and I, the, one of my realizations about this was, I don't know if you remember when Chase Reeves was saying this, but he was like, you know, at XOXO, he made a point of saying, okay, listen, like, there's all these people, all of our heroes are walking around here, and everybody wants a piece of them. He said, let's just focus on our group, like, <laughs> let's yeah. just let's just be, let's just think, okay, we're like ground level. And we're all in the same place roughly. And we're just gonna like, we're just gonna like grow up together.
0: And it worked out great. But on the other hand, I think one of the Andes was like making fun of us because he's like, you just hang out with yourselves the whole time. (laughs) It's like, but yeah, Yeah. but we're like, build, you were like trying to, you know, build some strong friendships. And
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. There's
0: also a benefit in that. But, it was also a bunch of white dudes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's mess and problems and things to fix and all of this. But I think the nice thing is that you can look at other, your peers who are at the same level or people who are slightly ahead of you and you can start to form those relationships. And I, I mean, at that time, that first XOXO, I had no idea that, you know, looking back on it now it's like wow, like everybody was kind of at an early stage in their career and since then everyone really grew, didn't they? Like <laughs> everybody's oh, yeah. gone on to do uh other things. And um so we kind of grew up that was like our class, you know? Like you grow you grow up with your class. And so if you don't have a class yet, I think it's worth finding those folks. And along the way, maybe you get lucky and you get some mentors that are way ahead of you, right? Um, that's, that's great too. Uh, but I think finding your class, like Paul and Jack are in our class, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. uh, and that a lot of the people I, I'm DMing, we're all in the same class. Now, <laughs> some of them are way richer than I am, but that's, that's fine. Like it's still, we're roughly peers, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, and as uh, Marie Poulin tells me a lot, she thinks she sees both sides of this because she's in all these female entrepreneur groups and some Mm -hmm. of them are just killing it. And they're doing um, different businesses than the very male-dominated bootstrap SaaS space. And she's always like, oh, there needs to be more intermixing between these groups because these female mm -hmm. founders know stuff that you dudes are all missing and vice versa as well. And so I think a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of that can be healthy too. We can still have, you know, some male-only retreats and female-only retreats or however you want to do it. Uh, but I think having more more mixing and, and you know, uh, there, there can be something healthy about that. Oh, feels like we waded into some, some... <laughs> So, 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 some, so.
0: That that took a different turn than I thought it was. Gonna
1: yeah, say. I know. I Sorry. because <laughs> there's like levels to this, right? It's like,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. On yeah.
1: one hand, yes, and then on the other hand, damn, we've been privileged, and I think it's worth exploring all the mess in there as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, we've been talking for a while. Um, yeah, that's probably a good time to end it. Hey, I think so. All right, folks. We hope you enjoyed this. Uh, John, why don't you thank the good folks on Patreon?
0: Yeah, thanks to everyone, uh, as always, for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we have Colt Borg, Mark Binder, Anton Zorin, Bill Condo, Sophia Quintero, Chris Willow, Mason Hensley, Borja Soler, Ward Sandler, Travis Fisher, Matt Buckley, Russell Brown, Evandro Sassi, Pradyumna Schembecker, Noah Prale, Robert Simplicio, Colin Gray, Josh Smith, Brian Ray, Shane Smith, Austin Loveless, Michael Sitfer, Paul Jarvis, and Jack Ellis, uh, my brother Dan Buda, Darby Frey, Samoria Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Sammy Shugart, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Junta.
1: Junta! Ah, oh, Junta. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> i just i just missed that i i, I miss yeah. saying it i yeah I, I haven't seen the instagram post from junta in a while what's he doing is he taking a break did he take a break too
0: i don't know i mean i haven't been on instagram in years either
1: oh we, we got to figure out maybe
0: maybe he did i don't know
1: maybe set a little sum, summer siesta all Probably. right
0: and uh finally kyle fox from getrewardful.com
1: thanks everyone have a good summer. And as always, you can find us on Twitter, Build Your SaaS. Uh, show notes are at build. <laughs> Wait, no, no. SaaS.transistor.fm. <laughs> Whew, man. And, uh, yeah, it's been we'll, a while. Yeah. Got to get the cobwebs out of your brain. <laughs> we'll see you next time we record. See ya. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm Justin and get 15% off your first year.